everyone. Welcome to Our Salty Life, the Project CF Spouse podcast. I'm Megan, the founder of Project CF Spouse, and today I'm joined by several ladies from the CF community who have all talked about, or gone through IVF rather, and we're going to be sharing our stories with you guys. Um, I'm going to let everyone introduce themselves and tell their stories, and then we'll go from there. Kathy, do you want to kick us off? Okay. <laughs> um, my name's Kathy, and um, I'm probably the oldest one in this group, and we'll try and relate my experience because it was 30 years ago. Um, we did our process uh, basically through artificial insemination and donor sperm, and uh, it was, uh, you know, really a, a very simple process, I think, versus the IVF. Uh, just because it was like going to the regular gynecologist and, you know, of course you had to do your little shopping cart of who you wanted to match up with. You know? <laughs> so it made it kind of interesting, you know, trying to pick our features that might be similar. Um, and uh, it, we went through it probably, I'm trying to remember, I think we did it about four times um, and had success. And then the second, and it was actually part of a study at the time. So we didn't even have to pay. It was amazing. And I can't remember what the study was about, but um, yeah, so that was a great experience to to be able to do that. And and now our son is turning 29 next week in a couple of weeks. (laughs) That's awesome. That's awesome. All right, Sigrid, do you want to go next? Sure. Hi, everyone. My name is two boys, um, one 13 and one five. Um, and uh, yes, we went through quite a bit to do circle babies. Um, the first one, um, Asher, who's now 13, uh, we went through five cycles of IVF um, and had one miscarriage in there before he was conceived. And then our second one named Cooper, we did eight cycles, uh, another miscarriage. So quite a journey. Um, I'm in my other life, aside from being married to uh, a high maintenance guy, (laughs) as you know, um, they require a lot of TLC. I do research in uh, cystic fibrosis as well. So I'm an associate professor at uh, the University of Alabama in Birmingham School of Nursing. And um, I'm also the director of the PhD program there. So um, I do research in real life. IRL to those cool kids out there. Um, and I also do research because I'm quite passionate, um, especially the sexual and reproductive health aspects of CF. So thank you, Megan, for inviting me to this podcast. No, I'm super excited. You were the first person that popped in my head when I had this idea because I know all of the science stuff that you do, and I thought this would be perfect for her. So, all right, Rachel, you want to go next? Sure. Um, Hi, I'm Rachel Meadows. Uh, My husband, John, has CF, and um, we are currently in the middle of our journey. Um, We started in December of 2019, um, had four failed um, IUIs with donor sperm, and then we referred to another specialist who basically told us IVF would be our best option. Um, After we weighed out all the pros and cons and cost factor and everything, um, we actually decided to go the route of using donor embryos. So 
you know, we looked at a few different profiles, found a couple that really matched well with us. And, um, you know, our clinic was wonderful about helping through the whole process. Um, so I'm currently 27 weeks pregnant with um, two boys and I'm so excited. So it's been a long journey, but um, it's been worth it. And I can't wait to meet them. That's awesome. Twin boys are obviously near and dear to my heart, but little boys in general are just wonderful. Yes, I'm so excited. (laughs) All right, Andrea. Hi, my name's Andrea Lippman and I'm married to the CF warrior, Andy Lippman. Um, And we went through uh, many cycles of IVF and we are blessed with two wonderful children. Uh, Our daughter Avery is 15 and our son Ethan is 13. And um, we, uh, you know, we both have health problems. So we just, we, we had to stick with it and stay positive. And, you know, they wanted to put five embryos in me and I was like, heck no, (laughs) but they did it. And (laughs) They knew what they were doing and uh, we got, you know, two healthy, happy babies. So it was, um, well, my son actually had some issues, but now they're healthy and happy. So that's all that matters. So uh, we were very lucky and um, the journey is tough and it's a roller coaster, but well worth it. I agree. I agree completely. So my husband Ty and I decided that we were going to start trying for a baby not real long after we got married because we were older and you know we didn't want to we didn't want to wait forever and of course I naively I I had I knew that fertility issues existed but I like to go into everything thinking oh that's not us that's not going to be us and so I naively assumed oh we're not going to be in that 98%. It's, you know, we're going to be the 2%. Things are going to be good. Needless to say, I found myself looking for IVF clinics because I'm like, this isn't working. And so, and it was kind of funny. Like, I believe everything happens for a reason. And I had just changed jobs and my new job, IVF adoption, all of that was covered as a benefit mm-hmm. and which is unheard of, you know, as I'm sure that everyone on this podcast can attest to. So it was just kind of was meant to be. So we, we met with um, the, the reproductive doctors and, you know, of course they were like, well, have you been tested for CF? Are you a carrier? You know, do you want to know? And we had already done all of that. So um, we had two embryos implanted and we have two crazy little fellas as a result (laughs) of that. So we, I kind of feel like we have our IVF story is such a simple story because literally we put two in, we got two out, you know, we didn't have the, the failed cycles. We didn't have, you know, so I, I feel like, like the frozen cycles are just intriguing to me because, you know, it's not something that, you know, that I have any experience with. And, you know, I know a lot of people when they go looking for fertility stuff, they come across like IUI and things like that. Sigrid, can you, do you, do you have any knowledge enough to speak to the IUI transfers with CF men and why those typically don't tend to be an option? Sure. Um, and uh, just full disc, uh, disclosure and disclaimer, I am not an OBGYN. I am not right. a fertility specialist. I can speak 
from what I know and from what I've experienced. So please don't take this as medical advice. Okay. Nope. Let's be clear. Yes. No, no, <laughs> but no. yes. Uh, yeah. Generally for men with CF, um, as, as we all know on this panel, about 98% of them um, are born uh, without a vas deferens or a highly underdeveloped vas deferens. And so, um, you know, the traditional way uh, does not work, but uh, thankfully they do have viable sperm. It just can't come out. So that's why we need to do certain procedures to um, uh, aspirate or take out the, um, the sperm from uh, the testes. So with the IUI, says uh, it might work, but for most, um, it is actually not advisable because um, of the fact that many of the sperm that's taken out during the uh, testicular aspiration procedure has been found to be um, either immature or don't have the motility that's required, um, or that there's some there's some issues with their morphology or the way they look and how they function. And so um, one of the ways to kind of bypass that is to um, do IF with preferably the ICSI procedure. So many of you guys um, can probably speak to this as well, but that's the intracytoplasmic testicular um, ICSI, intracytoplasmic sperm <laughs> injection. There you go. I have to remember what the S stood for. Uh, um, where, you know, we, we they, uh, the embryologist um, and the other specialists on the team will uh, look and find the very best sperm and uh, then literally take it um, into the egg um, so that there's uh, um, there's little less uh, risk of it not working. So it's an extra little procedure that they can do, certainly additional costs. Um, but yeah, uh, that's kind of why um, most couples are advised to um, kind of bypass the route because they're thinking that it's it's probably more bang for your buck if you go directly to IVF. And yeah, and that's ladies I knew that there was a reason address but, I, but I couldn't mm -hmm. remember you, you know all the big words to go with it. Um I remember did any of you guys look up the procedures that you were going to have done before you had them done any of the things that from like our point of view, like from a transfer and all was anybody traumatized by what they saw or read or heard? No, <laughs> I mean, for me, I mean, you know, I worked, I'm a scientist also an epidemiologist. So I, you know, and going through health issues and dealing with, you know, a husband with major health issues, um, it's something you really just have to go into with an open mind and, and something very positive. And I felt like for me, it was more depressing going in and seeing the other women in the clinic because they were so depressed and they were like, oh my God, I, I have to be a mother. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to be a mother no matter what. And it didn't matter if I have to do IVF, if I had to do adoption, if I had to do artificial insemination, like you have to go in with a very positive open mind and really think about 
we are so lucky to live in the day where we have all these options that we can do this. And um, yes, it's, it's a pain in the butt <laughs> and it, literally, <laughs> and um, you, you um, go through a lot of emotions, but you know, if you really want this to be a part of your life, you can do it, but you have to be open to other, you know, not just the, uh, having one way do it. It could be egg donation. It could be sperm donation. It could be lots of other things, but you just have to be open to all those options. And so was I scared? I was more scared of how Andy, you know, was feeling, through throughout the process because he felt so guilty that I had to go through my end, which is, is, is a lot worse than what he really had to go through. Um, you know, so, uh, that was, but I wasn't afraid. I remember watching, um, I went on YouTube because I was, I wanted to understand exactly what they were going to do to type. And so I went, I remember, I remember Googling it and I was like, yeah, you can't watch this because I was like, if you watch this video, we will never have babies. So after <laughs> he watched it and he was like, oh, oh my God. I mean, he, I just remember we, you know, obviously almost nine years later, we're still laughing about that. <laughs> um, something else that I think is kind of important when I think about IVF and talking to people about IVF is kind of, you know, explaining how the process works. I know like for us, we, we obviously we met with the reproductive endocrinologists and, you know, based on the fact that Ty had CF, it was just, you know, automatic. Well, yeah, you're going to have to go this route. And then from there, they sent us to a urologist to have them assess to see if he had this vast afferens or not. And then, you know, from there back to, felt like we were kind of like pinballs for a little while, you know, can we go talk to these people and then go back. And, um, and then I had several things that they wanted to do to me just to make sure that, you know, everything that would be patent on my end to carry a pregnancy. Is that kind of similar to what you guys encountered? Yes, that was exactly how we did it. Okay. I imagine Andrea, that our stories are very similar because I think we use the same doctors. (laughs) RBA. (laughs) Nope, nope, nope. Not just kidding. I thought we did. But, um, but yeah, it's, it's very good. Oh, and then the other issue is, um, you know, it's seems a few on this panel who were fortunate in that their IVF was covered by their insurance. (laughs) Um, mine was not. And so that's an extra layer of, you know, challenge or a checkbox that you have to make sure that you address because, um, I Joke that my my two boys, man, they would have been my Mercedes Benz or some kind of fancy <laughs> car, um, because of the amount of money that were invested in making them. And so, um, yeah. So for for others who are not as fortunate as it sounds like Megan and um, to to have had their procedures covered. Um, they have to do the research to figure out what yeah. programs may be available to them to not have to drain the bank. So that's, I think, a really critical point to make. Yeah, I agree, because I think I've also heard of scenarios where from a procedural stance, the 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 physical part was covered by some insurances, but the medications 
that were required. They, that, that wasn't. Right. And mine was the opposite. My medicine was covered, but the procedures were not. Mm. And see, and we ran into the issue, the only, like, I think the only real speed bump that we had from an insurance stance was because obviously me being a respiratory therapist, I, everywhere that we go, it seems like for Ty's care is a competing healthcare system. So everything is out of network, even though our doctors were in network and the urologist that they sent us to was, you know, covered by this, the hospital that he had privileges at weren't. So there's so many loopholes. And I think that that's, that's kind of my motivation for putting this panel together to have this conversation because there's so many, it's not just, okay, we're going to go to the doctor. They're going to collect, they're going to do this. And then boom, we're going to have a baby. I mean, there's so many pieces of that. And so I love that all of us kind of have varied layers to talk about. Um, for those of you that did frozen transfers, anybody want to share anything about that? Just so to paint a picture of what that looks like. Um, ours, I ours did a frozen transfer. transfer. Oh, let, oh sorry. Go ahead, Rachel. <laughs> go ahead, Rachel. Um, yeah. yeah, I was going to say, I mean, ours was a frozen transfer. Um, you know, our embryo donors um, went through their IVF process in 2013. Um, and so our embryos have been cryopreserved since then. I'm always fascinated that they can keep them preserved for that long. And, you know, they're, they're still perfectly good embryos. Um, but yeah, the cost factor was one of the reasons that we decided to go that route rather than going through a full IVF cycle. Um, you know, and they, it kind of, in a way, leveled the playing field for us too. Um, you know, we, we both had genetic donors rather than just one of us having a genetic donor. So, um, I think that made a, a difference for us as well, but, um, yeah, I mean, we went through the same protocol that anyone else would go through for a frozen transfer, um, you know, the progesterone and um, the injections, suppositories, things of that sort. Um, and then, I mean, the the procedure, I was so nervous about it um, and it ended up being, you know, quick, painless. Um, and it was just amazing to be able to see on the screen and watch the embryos be, be placed in. Um, but yeah, they... Our embryos were frozen in, uh, I guess what they call straws of two. So I normally, I guess now they don't like to put in more than one embryo because they're worried about multiples. I mean, they're more complicated pregnancies and, um, but the way that they were frozen, they made the decision to put in both for us because they didn't want to risk, you know, thawing and then refreezing and potentially not having that embryo, um, to move forward. So um, we were lucky enough to be given eight embryos by our donors. And so we still have six that are being frozen. So we pay monthly to keep those preserved. And, um, you know, if we ever decide we want any more kiddos, then we have full genetic siblings that are, that are waiting. So. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I know when we, that, that's a, that's a something else that I see people talk about. They're like, how do you decide how many to put in? Cause you know, you, you I automatically flash to the Octomom. Like anytime I think about this and I think about all of those embryos, that's what I immediately go to. But I know um, we, we had that conversation and two seemed safe because, you know, then you you put two in and you hope for one, or you're like my friend who puts one in and gets three. So, you know, just, it's kind of, I guess your body really does kind of control all of that. I was petrified when they put five in. I bet. (laughs) I'm petrified. I petrified. 
Yeah. And they, you know, it was because, you know, because I had had cancer before my eggs were not optimal. I mean, and so they felt that the other embryos would help the strong ones (laughs) implant and they did. And, um, my levels when I was pregnant, they, it was so high at first. And I was like, Oh my goodness, we have three babies in there. Like I was so scared, but when they went in, it was just one. (laughs) Thank goodness. (laughs) We were scared. I can't can't imagine. And then I think, I think the most ironic part of all this for me was we went through IVF obviously because Ty has CF. And once I was pregnant and, um, I was going to the maternal fetal specialist, he was like, well, we're going to do tests and see if either of the babies have CF and then we'll give you the option of whether or not you want to continue the pregnancy. And I was like, no, 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 no. This is not an option. <laughs> like, you don't understand the work that we went through to get here. I don't care if they're purple. I don't care if they have three ears <laughs> or 12 heads. I, you know, so it was just, it was kind of funny how that CF part of it came back into play, but in a very different way. But why would, if you were tested and you were negative, why would they test the embryo? So I don't know because we did the, um, the Ambry panel that tests for, you know, 700 billion, I guess, because there's still strains out there that they don't test. I mean, for that 0.000001, it's not worth the risk. Exactly. I was like, we're not going to, I'm like, I'm not even interested in knowing this. If we find this out later, you know, that's fine. And, and it was funny because I know like twin pregnancies are complicated. Rachel, you can, you can attest to this. Everything is just doubly crazy. And of course, with my job, I was on my feet a lot. So I got put on bed rest when I was 21 weeks. And yeah, so for 10 weeks, I laid in my bed. I can't wait till the boys are big enough where I can use that on them. This is what I did for y'all. But you know, um, but yeah, so like, it's just and I remember I had lab work that came back wonky a couple of times and it but it was because I had two babies. And, you know, so of course, good old Google is nobody's friend. And I would go and I would look things up. And I'm like, Oh my God, they're going to have this in it. And it was nothing. It was simply because there were two of them. And so, you know, it's, it's kind of funny how all of that works out, but, but yeah, it was an interesting, interesting thing. And plus just having two, there's just not room for two. There's really not. (laughs) (laughs) I remember trying to fit between a hot, like we had semi-private rooms at the hospital and I remember trying to fit between the two beds. And it just, there just, there wasn't room for my belly. I was like, okay, this isn't working anymore. So I was kind of <laughs> glad for bed rest for that aspect. But, um, so I know all of us have a different, a different kind of path with IVF. What I would like each of you guys to give one piece of advice to the new spouses in our community who are just now coming into this, who are just now starting this journey. Sure. Um, So I think that, you know, my advice would be, you know, to go in this with very few expectations. Um, It can potentially be a really long journey. Um, And, you know, for, for you and your spouse to just lean on one another throughout the entire process, because, you know, as Andrew was saying, sometimes, you know, our spouses can have this, this sense of guilt. And as we're going through an emotional roller coaster, we're trying to be strong for them too, because they're going through the same 
these same feelings, um, but in a different way. And, um, you know, just to be open to different things. Um, you might go in thinking, oh, this might work. And, um, you know, you never know what kind of obstacles you're going to run into. Um, but in the end, you know, it it's all worth it. It seems like it's just a never ending journey, but there is a light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> and hopefully, you know, we all get there. Right. I think that's really good advice. Yeah, so my advice would be very similar to uh, Rachel. Think of it as a marathon um, and not a sprint um, because IVF really is, and I've been told this by my fertility specialist from the beginning, it's a numbers game. So the, the, the more you actually go through the cycle, the more likely that you you're going to, so don't think of your failed cycle, um, as a complete waste, because then your fertility specialist will know a little bit more about you, your body and how to tweak those meds and how, you know, you respond to those meds. So think of it as, um, a marathon really prepared and organized for it. If you could get your body in the most prime position to go through a cycle and to carry healthy pregnancies, I think that would be also really good advice. And um, to understand that this is tough on both the uh, woman and the man, I think that can't be underscored enough. Um, I just remember my husband crying at the same time as he was injecting me with those darn long needles with a sesame oil uh, suspension, right? For the progesterone. And he could barely pull needle, um, even though, you know, our husbands are all experts as, as being patients. They've, they've been through quite a lot um, in their lifetime, but he felt so terrible that he's having to do this. Um, because of him, you know, there's a lot of that guilt. Um, and so, oh, had this testicular uh, aspiration, and he has had to do that multiple times to get us through our multiple IVF cycles. He said, don't feel bad about me. No, don't feel bad for me at all. I just have to quote, ice my nuts for a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> Those are his words. We could quote him. Quote him. He sits Yes, he would sit on an ice pack for a couple of hours and his part is done. Whereas the women really have to go through a lot more. And so for me, um, my experience with the embryo, frozen embryo transfer was actually one of the better ones for me because it allowed my body to rest and not be so hyped up with those stimulation medications. Um, it allowed me to kind of get back to baseline and that way I could then be in a better position, um, not with the hormones raging in my body to then receive uh, the embryo. The, my experience with the frozen embryo transfer was better than the fresh cycle. So that was my experience. Um, for me, I agree. You guys are very smart ladies um, with everything you've said. Um, some a piece of advice I have, relax. I mean, your body feels the stress. Your body knows what you are going through. And my two successful cycles were after I actually went and did um, acupuncture, which 
has been proven to help relax the body and really get it prepared. And I was like, I'm not that person, that holistic, like, oh, let me do it. And I'm like, I will try anything. And so I went and I had acupuncture for like a few weeks before my um, implantation or, you know, and my retrieval. And I was like, oh, we'll just see if it opens up my vascular response of what they say on the internet, it will do. <laughs> and I have to say, okay, it worked. <laughs> so um, if you don't do acupuncture, just relax because your body does tense up and there is something medical about it, whether it's vascular or the blood flow, let it just happen. Cause if you are tense, it can hurt the cycle. And again, you know, be there for each other and, um, you know, just be positive and don't get so stressed out. It is hard and it is a roller coaster. And I've said that a million times, but yes, it is. <laughs> Andrew, that's exactly what I was going to say is find some way of relaxing. You know, <laughs> it is, it is stressful and you want it so bad. And what if it doesn't happen and your mind starts overtime and your body starts tensing up and yeah, it's, um, it's a hard stance to, to try to just let life happen um, and not let all that come in on you. But um, it's really important, whatever you can do to sit back and go on the ride. <laughs> I agree completely with all of you guys. I think, I think all of it is, vastly important. And I think for me, I will, I will hit on what Andrea said, because it, it really resonates that don't isolate, it's not the right word, but don't singly may set out one path for your, your journey to having a family. You know, it may be that IVF won't work for you, but that doesn't mean that donor egg sperm embryo isn't an option. I mean, there's so many ways for this path to play out that, you know, I think that when you fixate on, it's gotta be this way, it's gotta be this way, you create additional stress, you create, you just kind of set yourself up for failure almost. So I think going into this, like with an open mind and an open approach, I think that that's, that would be my piece of advice. I mean, I know sometimes it's hard because it is hard not to be a control freak and be like, well, it's going to be this, this, and this, but I think being able to just kind of let go and just say, okay, we're going to start here and just, you know, but know that there are other options out there. It's like your birth plan. I it doesn't that go that way. No, it doesn't. Yeah, exactly. Oh God, the birth plan. It doesn't go that way at all. I always laugh when I see birth plans right yeah. now at the hospital. I'm like, not going to happen. That's cute. <laughs> so so I, I really like that point uh, that you're making, Megan, um, because, you know, my experience with my first son, we did four fresh IVF cycles, and then we were able to say, you know, we put in the freezer. So our son actually celebrates a popsicle day every um, March because we celebrate the fact that he was taken out of the freezer that day. So he knows about it. He knows that he's our lab experiment. He was the most expensive lab experiment we've ever done science experiment. But, you know, at that point when we did this, now this is now whew, uh, maybe almost 20 years ago now, the, the success rates of um, frozen embryos were not as good. So we thought, oh, wait, if the four fresh 
cycle and take, well, this is not going to take, you know, this frozen ones from the freezer. So we actually were, we were working already with an adoption agency getting ready to go to Guatemala to, you know, meet our future child. Um, so, and then we said, well, just for the heck of two in the freezer, we might as well just, you know, we don't want to pay for storage fees. Let's just do it. And then boom, we got pregnant. So I think what you said is kind of be open to other ways, other opportunities, other avenues to become parents. And maybe the world really gives you what is meant for you. Right. So um, I I, I just want to share that story with you. Yep. I think that's wonderful. Does anyone have anything else that they want to share? I'm so excited that we did this. Just good luck to everybody who's trying and you have a whole community to rely on. Right, right. All right. Well, thank you guys so much. Um, If anybody is interested in reaching out to any of these ladies, they're all on Facebook and I'm sure that they would be happy to answer any questions about their journeys. If not, stay tuned for our next podcast. Mm -hmm.